When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents... I would like to speak to America's men for one minute. That slacker barista. I start getting full of emotion. Now we're going to build this new bridge here. Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No, I can't. Betches Up Podcast. Like, how are people surviving? Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. It is Monday. We just had the last weekend before the last weekend before midterms. How how are your nerves, Sammy? Oh, they are frayed at the edges. Frayed. Um, the attack on the speaker's husband Ugh. with a hammer, that definitely didn't help um, waking up to that news on Friday morning. Things are just real weird. Elon Musk kicking over the company the day of the speaker's attack. There's a dark energy. Yeah, don't love it. And it's kind of like, ooh, anything could happen at any moment. Don't put your phone away too long. It does feel that that way, especially with this first story, which I saw right before we got on, which just felt like I was like glitching, like, like, like the, like the simulation got something wrong. Sammy, tell me why Ron DeSantis is in our backyard, possibly like very close to your literal backyard. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is currently in New York campaigning for Republican gubernatorial candidate Lee Zeldin. I hate this. Do you know where he's campaigning? I don't know. It just said, uh, it was in Long Island. It was like where he's from. It's oh, it's definitely from. right here then. So it might be okay. right in your backyard. Big news. I figured out last week that I had been redistricted to Lee Zeldin's district. He is my fucking representative now. And wow, you I, are. Now you know how it feels. Well, I immediately am like, okay, well, we're switching our vote to here. And um, mm-hmm. since I'm not going to, I don't need to vote in the city, which I had planned to do, right. to do an absentee ballot. So now we are voting here. And um, yeah, I and you had time to you had time to change it and fix it. That's great. Well, all I had to do was change the address, and then I can go to early voting. Avi and I are going at seven thirty on Wednesday. Um, going to early voting, and you can like on the spot register your change of address, and mm-hmm. yeah. So I had to like yeah, it, it was annoying, but it's worth it. Um, it, yeah. Yeah. Everywhere. Early voting is everywhere. Like, this is the week. Like, I've been trying to frame people. It's like, the election is not on November 8th. It ends on November 8th. Why would you wait? I I need to make a plan and do it this week. I always wait until election day. And then I'm stressed all day about if I'm – like, what if I forget or what if something something happens where I can't? So I need – I definitely yeah. – uh, but yeah, it's definitely that weird phase where it's like the ads on TV are crazy. <laughs> And yeah. like, it's so desperate. Ron DeSantis is in New York City telling us that Florida is exactly what we could be. Barack Obama is every bit, everywhere saying whatever. It is It is the time. 
Yeah, no, I know it's getting, I, I can tell when people are paying attention when I start yeah. getting DMs from like good outer circle people who are like, how bad is this? Or like, mm-hmm. like you know, and, and that's that's kind of plays into my theory about like why I do not trust the polls at all. And like, I'm trying to ignore pretty much any stories about them um, as best I can because I don't, I think that like we're used to only thinking that people are engaged in voting if they're like flipping out on their Instagram and they're like wearing a pink pussy hat. But like Mm -hmm. we have said it, the yassification of voting is over. Mm -hmm. It's now in the phase of shut up and vote. No one, you know, don't talk about your shit. Just like go Mm -hmm. vote and like you only talk to your friends about it. And like it's – I just think we're in a little bit of a different phase and – Voter turnout is higher than in 2018 at this point. So that is a good sign. Yeah, I think I think I I I agree. I feel like people after 2020, they've sort of just sort of it's become more part of their muscle memory. And it's like, it's okay. It's just an errand for democracy. You don't have to go with all your friends and make a day of it and go to brunch. Like you can just go between your wax and you're picking up your dog from the groomer. And I think you're right. I think people are just getting it done. The just the vibes are low. People aren't super excited about everything that Democrats are doing, but like people are aware it's their civic responsibility. And obviously, like the context felt a little bit different in in twenty twenty in twenty twenty. The early voting numbers are great, and like you said, you and I are both very engaged, and neither of us have voted yet. So like, I'm also not sharing the polls because it's such a self fulfilling prophecy. Also, they're old. I think at this point, polls are it's over. It's over with the polls. Most of them are from like a week or two ago. They don't matter. They literally don't matter at this point. They also just like their methods, if you know how they're getting this information, yeah. it won't sound like something that you're going to pull for. So just exactly. forget that. <laughs> yeah. Their methods like would not get a good grade on like a, on like a stats project in college. I don't think. No, not at this point. Not at this point. Do you have a particular race that's sort of been like keeping you up at night that you're thinking about a lot? I've sort of developed some of my pet ones that I'm very nervous about. Um, no, I'm not, you know, general I'm not anxiety. A, th- yeah, no, I, I stay general with the anxiety. Generalized and, midterm anxiety um, disorder. Yeah, no, because ultimately each race is discrete. So it's like, absolutely just, meaning like none of them actually affect the others. I'm more anxious. Like, I don't know. I'm more watching like yeah. the voter intimidation stories and like anything court related where the Supreme Court or not yeah. not the Supreme Court, um, a judge in Arizona ruled that the voter intimidation that is okay. Um, yet you can't give a voter a bottle of water in Georgia, um, and that's another reason. I mean, we're this we're going to spend a lot a lot of this week sort of like reminding people what's going to happen according to certain outcomes. Look, the House is looking bleak. You never know. I think there could there there could be people were like, do you think there's going to be a blue wave? No, there might be a blue a little blue sputter. That would be. Why the don't best. you think there will be a blue wave? I just I, I sometimes I think that we just dramatically underestimate how many people out there are just are Republicans or just still love Trump or just hate Democrats and like sometimes I'm just always very scared. There's like I'm gonna I've been surprised surprised in 2016 and I was surprised in 2020 by how many people came out and I don't know I don't know how to how to do an election where Trump isn't like an immediate factor. Do you think there's gonna be a blue wave? I don't like want to define. I don't want a DTR. <laughs> Yeah. But but I don't the see blue. like how there is so much turnout so far 
in a midterm when people aren't like so engaged like openly and that that that's can really be bad for Democrats. Like I, I just don't like understand how those two things can mesh. Yeah. So your concerns about whether people are engaged enough to turn out, you're already feeling better about them based on the early voting numbers. Which are no, crazy. People it's like 20 are turning million people. out. Like yeah. that is like bearing out. That that's what I'm so confused about. Like why that is not the storyline. The turnout yeah. is extremely high. You're right. Like, and if it bleeds, it leads. I, 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 maybe I'm just like very out of touch. I am truthfully, <laughs> but I don't see how all you have all these newly registered women mm-hmm. this year. I don't see these people who just registered in the past several months are going to vote for Republicans if they registered after Roe was overturned. And I don't see how those people aren't voting. So who are they voting for? They're not voting for Republicans. I mean, I see some, whenever I hear interviews where it's a person and they're sort of like, oh, I'm I'm just going to vote because gas is expensive and milk is expensive and Democrats are in power. Most of the time, they're half the time they're talking to a man or they're talking to like, I just don't, I don't buy, I think I've said the same sentence on the podcast. I don't buy that women aren't going to vote because their gas is expensive or they're going to vote against Democrats. If like they're the, if you're pregnant and you could have an at-risk pregnancy, you're going to fucking pay more for your gas. You can find anyone to say anything. And my thought (laughs) is that that is just about like media narratives. They want to talk about the price of gas because everyone's always talks about the price of gas as like the biggest deal in voter sentiment. And yes, the price of gas is very important. But is it like because it's actually or because you keep fucking talking about it? Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Like why can't we – like do they not realize that what they choose to talk about becomes what people talk about? Mm -hmm. So if you don't – if the price of gas is not a reflection of the economy, which it is not. And it is not a reflection of the reflection of the president's performance. So why do they keep talking about whether or not the price of gas is going to affect the election? They're choosing to talk about that. They can talk about whether or not they can keep talking about whether Roe is going to affect the election. They can talk about whether anything they want is going to affect the election. And it's just, I I don't know. Like I find myself getting frustrated by the like media's self-fulfilling narratives rather than totally. right because people are still actively voting and if they hear and see a bunch of headlines that literally say things like doom and gloom for democrats democrats desperate de- democrats anticipating a, a fucking bloodbath if you're hearing that and you're a dem leaning voter like you're not motivated you're not going to turn out and i know the media doesn't have a fucking responsibility to help elect democrats but they are a huge part of the problem and republicans have to do barely anything to get lauded as political fucking geniuses. This is what happens before a week before. Money gets moved around. You move in in different places. You get really real about where the money needs to go. Like, this is what happens. It's fine. Like, every every article that's like, people aren't voting. Also, you get two paragraphs in and it's like, by the way, normally at this point, they don't. And young voters tend to turn out at this time. So actually, it's probably nothing. Everything you've been saying. Okay. People are voting. People are voting. People between ages 18 and Women 29 be said people also people between ages 18 and 29 said I think like 40% of them said they are definitely going to vote. That does not count the people who are 18 to 29 who are probably going to vote. And who do you think they're voting for? So like I just don't it just it just feels like so the you're narrative. Not, you're not down for even the fear-mongering about young voters cuz I've been I've no. been letting that get to me. Okay. No. Watch take do young voters seem to you to be disengaged? 
Or do they seem they do like way on top of that? Like, I think that I if really they're hacking believe- websites, they can run an errand for democracy. They're like, this is easy. I, I don't have really to learn be- a fucking complicated dance. They, they they will find a stamp. They can do it. Someone on TikTok <laughs> will tell them how. Like, I really believe that like the the narratives that like cable news and the New York every normal quote unquote outlet wants to put out, I believe that their narratives are the ones that they've always had. They're running the way they've always thought about elections, like where the classic things being important. They're not thinking mm-hmm. about like actually there's like six new factors here. Like they watched a coup, like yeah. the American people yeah. watched a coup right. live online on the internet. Like that mm-hmm. happened or on TV if they're old. Um, for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fact that like, I don't, it, it just feels like all the evidence that's like, that goes in like that lane sort of like is filling in the narrative they already have. But the, they, But then they ignore these like really, really important things like the reality of how engaged young people are and yes. the reality of how the tur- how high the turnout is and how many newly registered women there are this year like how can you ignore those things yeah and these t- i mean like the way the media works now is some of these some of these like political tiktok influencers have a bigger reach than the legacy news outlets and they're the ones saying you know vote and and cyberbullying and cyber oh the v episode the episode with v was so good She's awesome. I'm going to put the the part when she was talking about Mitt Romney. Oh, my I gosh, definitely have to put so that good. up. That was amazing. Yeah. I, I did a like ask us anything about the midterms and a lot of people were just like, I'm freaking out. And I was like, just don't because it's not time yet. And like, it's all fake. Nobody knows anything, but people need clicks. People have jobs to do. Ignore it. It's fine. Do your part. Run your errand for democracy. And that's the most Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits healthier hair and skin. Yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great. It looks fancy on the shelf. And I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. 
Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash fever dream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash fever dream. That's P-R-O-S-E.com slash fever dream. Before we move on to talk about some of our other topics today, I do want to take a moment just to acknowledge what happened in Seoul. It doesn't feel right not to uh, when that there's just a nation that's in sep- such deep mourning. Um, you know, I saw a lot of people sharing resources of just learn how to protect yourself because as we saw with what happened here and with Astroworld, like no one was there to help them. And apparently there was a, a medium-sized police presence, but they were not equipped to handle a crowd crush. You know, I spent a lot of time watching TikTok videos last night about what to do in a crowd crush um, versus a stampede. I am probably just not going to put myself in those situations, but it's not crowds. its not always your choice. I mean, mm-hmm. it just sounds like there's not a, any good way to die, but what these people went through um, is terrifying and so, so many people affected by that. So our thoughts are with you. If you knew any, just are from there or know anybody or know any family, it's such a huge tragedy. I mean, you just can't imagine if that number of people died at once in our country. What, what I mean, just imagine that. It's hard to. You mean like in COVID every day? Yeah. Still? God. We're so broken and traumatized. Speaking of, yeah. so this is our first recording since Paul Pelosi, husband of Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, was attacked in his home by someone looking for the speaker. So I think a lot of you have heard the details and Sammy, I'm sure, went through them in morning announcements. I think the biggest detail is that the man, I believe, is still in the hospital uh, after having brain surgery because he needed to repair a skull fracture and serious injuries to his right arm and hands sustained in this hammer attack. So you know what happened was that apparently he was able to get to his bathroom at some point where his phone was, call 911. It was like marked as a priority well-being check and the police then arrived just in time to see them engaged. It seems like very perfect timing, but you know, I think everyone's immediate reaction to this, it's very chilling. Like it looks like we got it looks like just a coincidence that the speaker of the house's husband wasn't murdered. Oh yeah, it was like a timing random. It could have played out anyway. I mean, the man ended up with a skull fracture. He's 80-something years old. Like, that's not normal. This is could, a, that's the thing. This is an old man. Even if he wasn't – okay. It also was not – yes, Paul Pelosi ended up getting hurt, but this was an assassination attempt on Nancy Pelosi. Like, this was – that's who he was looking for. He was trying to kill her. He was trying to, like I – don't, I don't know. It's really, really, really um, – there are no words for this, and None. it's not – like random or um, police are saying they don't know the motive, but um, yeah, that's been so read these man's internet posts. He the motive is very clear. All of them. He's got all the hits. Conspiracy Lots of people want to kill Nancy Pelosi. So exactly, that's the thing. Hol- he's he's talking about Holocaust denial, pedophiles in the government, and Democrat officials running sex rings. This is not. First of all, there are plenty of just run of the mill members who get threatened, but like the literally a year and a half ago, people stormed into this woman's office, took a shit, and tried to kill her. Like. How? 
I couldn't really find answers to this, but our immediate question for all of ours was like, how did this happen? I mean, he was able to get in there with a hammer. I have to assume that when the speaker is there, she was not, there's more security. So I just have to assume that had she been there, this man wouldn't have even gotten close. But I don't know if that's accurate. So, I mean, they say that there is, but okay. um, and I think there is when she's there, but she wasn't there by chance. He broke a window and came upstairs. Um that that's what I was wondering. I was like, how did he alarms? Like, hello. But he broke a window. I assume an alarm also like went off automatically. Maybe that triggered the wellness check. I don't know if the 911 call did or that the call did. What triggered the wellness check is that Paul Pelosi called the cops and he like spoke to the dispatcher and like he called he referred to him as like a friend. Like he ran into oh, you know, got he it. ran into it. and um and then he like put it down. He put the phone down and left it on. So they could hear is wow. what I read happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they like – but then police – movie. Yeah, no, it actually sounds like um, the end scene of a uh, girl with a dragon tattoo kind mm-hmm. of. That's what it reminds me of. It's 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 really chilling. And yeah, this guy – this man got seriously injured. Most lawmakers reacted with anger and stated that these kinds of attacks are not acceptable and should be prosecuted to the fullest extent um, you know, members across both sides of the aisle said this, but you know, most of them stopped short of denouncing the types of disinformation and violent rhetoric that leads to these events. Virginia Governor Glenn Yank- Youngkin, this this dude, told an audience over the weekend, "There's no room for violence anywhere, but we're going to send her back to be with him in California." This is supposed he's supposed to be one of the nice ones. What the fuck, dude? They're not nice. Like the, they're not nice. The thing they the hate thing this woman. The, yeah, I mean, this is what they think. Like the things that. The other thing that they want to – people want to paint him as a either Paul Pelosi's gay lover or they want to paint this man as like a crazy person who just like was Mm -hmm. so mentally ill and like messed up. But the truth is regardless of whether or not that is true, his actual beliefs and ideology is very aligned with like Mm -hmm. your average Republican congressperson. So sure, he – Maybe himself is not, you know, your most savory character, but like the things he believes are the exact same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the Snow Capitol Police reported about 10,000 threats against lawmakers in 2021, which was up from previous years. On the same day that Paul Pelosi was attacked, a man pleaded guilty to threatening to kill Eric Swalwell. He was like, just kept calling him and saying he had AR 15s and was going to kill his family. And over the summer, a man was charged with felony stalking after threatening Pramila Jayapal with a gun outside of her home. And then also over the summer, a man with a gun and knife was arrested outside of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh's house. And that's when we heard a lot more about like security. And it seems like also Nancy Pelosi has been a big proponent since January 6th of more security. And it sounds like whenever I hear there aren't resources, it's like, I, that's not that's not acceptable. The resources are there. You, this is worth moving them around because the trauma to the nation that that would have caused had had the Speaker of the House's husband been murdered. I mean, much less the Speaker of the House. Like because you couldn't move some money around or you didn't want to raise you know the top tax rate is just it's crazy. They don't want to do anything about it. That's the they thing. Don't, like they, they there's money. They can find money. They can always find money. They don't want to do anything about it. They don't care. There's there's a reason that we still don't know who removed the panic buttons from Pramila Jayapal's office on January 6th. There's a reason that we still don't know who the pipe bomber was when Kamala Harris was supposed to be driving mm-hmm. past that spot. So there's a reason that we don't know. 
there's just going to be something like something. I something else is coming. Because we've had these near misses. I mean, people died. Multiple people died in January 6th. So I shouldn't say a near miss. But I think we know that that could have been even more catastrophic. This could have been more catastrophic. And it's just like the next time, the next time it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen and it's going to break the nation. I'm not looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to it. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. Somebody who is not helping at all. Let's talk about Elon Musk's reaction to this, and that will pivot us into our, you know, the rest of our conversation, which is about him and Twitter and what is next. So, just a day after he completed his purchase of Twitter, he had this reaction. So, Hillary Clinton was one of the leaders who blamed violent rhetoric for the attack. Musk replied to her tweet, There is a tiny possibility there might be more to this story. So, he said that. And he linked to an opinion article in a sham website. So that's when you know it's bad. It's an it's an op ed in in a fake website that's been it's just a fake website, low credibility, and it also favors the extreme right. And the article claimed that Pelosi was drunk at the time of the assault and in a dispute with a male prostitute who also believed in Holocaust denial. It was based on literally no evidence and literally stated it was in the author's humble opinion. Must did this immediately. He, put, he, he replied with this article. He did this a day after posting a letter to advertisers promising that the website would be warm and welcoming and not a hellscape. He did delete this hours later, and maybe that's why. Maybe somebody at the company was like, do you, again, do you know the business model here? Maybe he doesn't care if he wants to take it private. As far as some other problematic users, Musk has said accounts like Trump's won't be instated until a moderation council is assembled and determines a policy. After Musk took ownership, some other things just pivoting to what happened then, Threads on 4chan encouraged people to spread more hate speech, and the use of the N-word went up 500%. So clearly people feeling emboldened. There was also more anti-Semitic memes 
What now, Sammy? <laughs> what's, okay. what's next for Twitter? He, here's here's what. Everyone needs to stop looking at this as like a business and that he's like a CEO making business decisions and that like he cares if he loses advertisers or like making yeah. profit or like if this makes any money and see this as the equivalent of Trump becoming president. Like he's not mm. doing it to like be your president. Like he's not doing it to be the head of a real platform that's going to like deal with problems and the like wolf have doesn't a, go into the hen house to bring order to the hen house yeah, and to help yeah. the hens. Right. Exa- exactly. That's what I can. So expect that to just play out <laughs> in such weird fucking ways that like you wouldn't even be able to like come up with them with Mad Libs, honestly. That's what totally. I'm expecting. I mean, one of the platform's most dangerous users now owns it. This is hell. We live, we live in hell. We live in hell. Yep, do you, so do you think he's going to change how he uses Twitter now that he owns the company or no? No. I mean, he deleted the tweet, weekend. but does that matter? Yeah. This, spent, exactly. That's not all he did this weekend. He spent his whole weekend like replying to random people like that he's going to like dive into like why he's they lost six followers. kids. Go father. <laughs> That's what I said. The fuck? Like really? <laughs> yeah. He's spending the weekend like um, – or he spent the weekend just like replying to randoms. That was the whole thing. Sick. So that's how you can expect him to be using Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like stir- so then, getting in there and stirring up the comments, Mark. Yes. And so then how do you think that will impact how other people use Twitter? Are advertisers and users going to balk? I mean, General Motors is like, we're going to put a pause. Shonda Rhimes left Twitter, but like, God love Shonda Rhimes. I love her. I don't know if people really care that she's leaving I think Twitter. We, I, I don't think it like – I think it remains to be seen. I don't think there's going to be like a, a mass exodus – at any given point, but I think people will just use it less if it's yeah. less pleasant. And I think it also depends if somebody comes out with a competitor, which seems like an obvious thing to do if you have money to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, finally, so then, like, what? Let's say, do you think there is a scenario where advertisers and users over time just balk and then Twitter's relevance is kind of a slow fade? So then, yeah. what do you think we lose? What's the shame in that? Like, what do you think the well, Twitter was like there's a reason that people still use Twitter despite the fact that it's um true a, been a floundering company since it started. <laughs> there's a reason that it has importance like in people's minds. Um and I don't know if we'll ever be able to like replicate what this was especially because people all got on it at a time when there was more consensus on some basic things. So, you might just kind of end up with a weaker mm-hmm. version of blue check Twitter. Yes, right. And then real Twitter, regular Twitter becomes like a more advanced parlor that actually has users. Mm -hmm. That's kind of – who knows though? Like there can be some sort of thing that happens that causes another result. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean the way there's always you never know what sort of like geopolitical thing is going to pop up and which platform is going to serve it best and it can be yeah. up to Elon Musk how what role the platform the platform plays. But for now, I just R.I.P. Any piece, <laughs> right? I mean, also I think this kind of just speaks to the point that all of our stories now, you know, you know, I think maybe covering the, you've been covering the news many many years. So thinking about how we used to cover the news like six years ago, everything felt so much more separate. And yet yeah. somehow this – and then I was thinking this weekend, this the story about Nancy Pelosi's husband having his head bashed in with a hammer dovetailed seamlessly with the Twitter takeover. Right. And 
And I think that that speaks to the way that things are just so much more, you know, you can't separate Ukraine from the Republican Party anymore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, since when have things been like that? Yeah, you had to decide what what shoes you were going to throw out based on, you know, (laughs) what Kanye West was saying that week. Oh, God. Yeah, well... I'm pretty Goodbye. sure there's a few. There's at least a few dystopian novels where billionaires take take control. We of. are going to only be hearing about Kanye, Elon, and Trump for the next. I hate it. I feel like this podcast. Is, I mean, I don't know. I, I I'll do more interacting with our with our. You and I talk about this a lot too. Like how much to cover it because every podcast I feel like I'm spinning a fucking wheel and it's going to land on one of those three. And whenever I whenever we decide, you know what, it's time to not give this any more oxygen. Yay does something like the anti-Semitic right. stuff, and it's like, well, this is then this you're is the world's biggest rapper targeting one of the most marginalized groups in the world. Like, what well, now? We have to give it attention. So it's very frustrating. I would love to talk about other things aside from Elon Musk, Donald Trump, or Kanye West, but it seems I think we have to. Yeah, I hate that it it would be irresponsible to not speak about them in these cases. Yeah, I mean, it just brings me back to like, I, yeah, I mean, I worked at HuffPost when. When Ariana had the big PR moment when she was like, "I'm not, we're not, we're going to put Trump in entertainment," and that backfired spectacularly. I don't think it's why he, got, you know, he got elected, but it, it it came to symbolize the media not taking him seriously enough. So I always, I always like, I always think of that. But we'll, you know, we'll just be mindful to take breaks. Maybe not every, you know, I think we're pretty good at not being super reactive to every time Elon Musk does something that he wants us to talk about. You're right. You're right. Yeah. <sighs> that is our show. Today's <laughs> man of the day. <laughs> Please remember to rate and review if you love the show, especially this week. It would be great to have our show kind of bounce up in the ratings when people are looking for things to find so that they can listen to us in midterms, fall deeply in love, and then stick around for the rest of the year when I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about depending depending on the outcome. Sammy, I've been chatting about what's going to happen if, if like we lose the House and the Senate or one or the other, and none of it's good. There's going to be plenty of content, and we'll be here. That is our show. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duerman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at suppod at betches.com. Betches.